Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, Aaron Adams, and I are recording this show on Wednesday, May 6, 2020, which is the day after the Walt Disney Company's quarterly earnings call, which, frankly, had a lot of bad news, which I'm in no rush to get to. So, all right, we're going to take a few quick, hopefully upbeat off-ramps here. Let's start with a, a, a listener question. We had, I want to say, Bionics Mechanics reach out recently, and they asked about what your take would be on the proper way to view the Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order. Uh, any thoughts on that? Really, it hasn't changed a whole lot, except Captain Marvel does throw a whammy bar right up in front of the the viewing order. So we're not going to do the entire MCU right up front, but we will get you from the beginning all the way through phase one of the Avengers. So that'll get you maybe a couple weeks unless you really dedicate your, your time to it. But right off the bat, earliest movie we've got, Captain America, first Avengers, early 40s. So that's your starting point. Immediately after that, you skip over to TV with uh, Marvel's Agent Carter seasons one and two back to back. So I think you're you got a week right there of viewing just with Agent Carter. Once that wraps up, we jump from the 1940s to the 1990s. That's where Captain Marvel jumps in. And then we get to what we would usually consider our normal starting point with Iron Man. And then most of the MCU kind of happens present day from when the movie is made. So if Iron Man happens in 2009, you can say it happens in in 2009. That's when it takes place. And then we jump to the Hulk. We go back to Iron Man 2. If you're really good, you throw in the uh, a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer where you follow Coulson into the shop, right? Remember those? Oh, that one shot. That was a really great one. I enjoyed that one. It really is. And then you jump into Thor, and then finally you get to the Avengers, and you have your first little jaunt through phase one of the MCU. And then we'll take a look at phase two when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts getting into the mix because you can't just sit there and watch the whole season. No, you got to stop it halfway through and have Thor show up for a second. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, Okay, we've got season seven of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. about to debut later this month. And correct me if I'm wrong, don't they go back to the 1930s in that one? Doesn't that technically put them in front of Captain America now? Oh... Well, geez, if if you go by endgame rules where uh, whatever happens in the future or in the past, you changed from today and no, no, we can't go there. Also, I'm going to clarify right off the bat, whenever we do talk about the entire MCU, one thing you will never hear uttered is the word inhumans. I choose not to allow that into my MCU. I'm sorry some people may say, hey, foul play on you. And I'll say, hey, my list, my rules. You have your own list. You can put in humans on it fairly wherever you like and enjoy it thoroughly. Go for it. I don't have it on my list. 
Okay, again, we, we should get to the internet's call, but I don't want to yet. How many of you listened to when the, the, the Russo brothers just this past Sunday did a live tweet of Endgame? And as they were running through the film, uh, they shared all these, these weird little behind-the-scenes things. Like, for example, there's that scene where uh, I want to say Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow is sort of running the staff meeting and checking up on what's going on but as she's doing it she's making a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then taking a bite out of it and the Russo brothers felt bad for her because they had to do so a a bunch of takes so eventually what they did is they put a bucket out of sight under her desk so after Scarlett had taken a bite of the peanut butter sandwich she could then spit out that chunk you know rather than have to swallow it so (laughs) so on eBay there are 700 bites of a peanut butter butter sandwich individually wrapped in bags going for thousands of dollars and only certain people would know why (laughs) and speaking of money related matters let's get to it let's talk about the disney's quarterly earnings call let's start with the good news bob chapek got asked about whether or not black widow would wind up going the artemis fowl route and uh, for those of you who don't remember artemis fowl was actually supposed to be released to theaters the 29th of this month but when movie theaters around the country began closing down, Disney theatrical made obviously difficult decision that they abandoned any plan to release Artemis theatrically and basically did what Universal did. In this case, Artemis isn't going to be released premium video on demand. It's actually going to go straight to Disney Plus without a purchase option. So the question was, well, is this something you're considering for you know the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies that were in production, particularly if theaters stay closed for a long time? And this is Chapek's quote. All of our tentpole films have been rescheduled theatrically for the year. We very much believe in the value of the theatrical experience overall when it comes to launching blockbuster movies. And that's not just Chapek speaking from the heart to say things that make owners of theaters happy. We've just been talking about Endgame, and one of the ways that Endgame became the top-earning film in Hollywood history was this time last year. It was out in 4,662 theaters in North America. Well, there's also the issue of repeat viewing. Yes, yes. I mean, if, if they put it out on Disney+, Plus, I can watch it a hundred times, but I'm not giving them money every single time I watch it. So my ticket price is Disney Plus for the month. I mean, that's a steal because, yeah, I mean, when Endgame was out, I paid for that movie three times while it was in theaters. And then once on digital when it came out. So I've paid for that movie four times now. Yeah. Yeah. Though I will say this, it's worth it. I mean, just this past sure. weekend, I started jumping around the movie to watch my favorite bits, and there's the bit where Tony and Steve jump back to the the 1960s, or they're at the base in New Jersey, and that wonderful vignette where Steve is ducking out of a hallway and ends up in Agent Carter's office and sees her through the glass, and or for that matter, Tony hanging out with his dad, who's all nervous because Tony's mom is about to have Tony. It's a wonderfully written, wonderfully acted scene. And then I went from there and jumped to the start of the big battle. Initially, that's just Thor and Iron Man and Captain America who were going head-to-head with Thanos. And it's well-written, it's well-staged, it builds beautifully, and it, of course, has 
that amazing emotional payoff. Did you happen to see the video that was out recently that they had showed where uh, Captain America wields Mjolnir and it was the opening night audience reaction? Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. In the audio. Now, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested as a Marvel fan if they released opening night audio tracks as alternate versions of the movie where you could, you know, I wasn't there in New York City that night, but by God, I got the copy and it looks like a lot of fun. And then just sit through an entire version of a movie with an audience reaction that you weren't a part of. See, I think it works in a clip. I don't know if it would work as a whole movie, but I think it'd be a fun little experiment. You know, like comedies, you laugh harder when you're in a group. Like if I'm watching a movie by myself, I'll chuckle. I'll, that was cute. But if I'm in a crowd and everybody is belly laughing, I will be belly laughing with them. Mm -hmm. It's infectious that way. Mm -hmm. That's what you go to the theater for is that group response. You know, when everybody jumps at the thing that scares you on the screen. You know, when, when the whole audience is into it, that's when you're in a crowd mentality moment. I have have to admit that when that clip became available online, you know, the number of people associated with the Disney company at the production of the film who shared that and were moved by it, you know, who, you know, just the whole notion of, man, I forgot what that was like. And thank you. This was, was good to be able to return to that moment. By the way, you, you mentioned the moment when Cap was able to wield Thor's hammer. But the interesting thing, again, the Russos, as part of their audio thing they, they did last week, they talked about that moment in Avengers Age of Ultron, where there was a party at Stark Tower and everybody's you know, sort of goofing on whether or not they can move Thor's hammer and, and that sort of thing. And there's that moment where Thor's sitting across the room and sees Steve Rogers wield it and, and is he's able to move it just slightly. And you see that look of concern kind of play across Thor's face. The Russos put it in context. He said... You know, the reason that Steve couldn't pick it up is that he was still carrying the guilt of knowing what happened to Tony's parents. And it was only- hogwash. No, hogwash. Don't ruin it for me, Jim. I don't want to go any further. You just stop it now. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, damn it. For the listeners, go for it. All right. Okay. But, but no, that supposedly only after he revealed you know, what he knew in Civil War to Tony, he lifted that burden so to speak and he was now worthy of wielding the hammer i don't know i I think you can carry a great weight on your shoulders while still being worthy that's peter's gag you know peter parker Mm -hmm. is the great power great responsibility and and it drags him down constantly Mm -hmm. but i would still say that he's worthy because Mm -hmm. he's always fighting the good fight it's like cap you know i would be surprised if he wasn't able to nudge that hammer just a little bit because Mm -hmm. he's so pure Mm -hmm. i was actually talking with my good friend mcconnell uh, a day or two ago and we were talking captain america Mm -hmm. he's so Exactly. Even in the comic books, you know, the idea of what America should be. Mm -hmm. And even though he's conflicted sometimes and they've modernized him considerably, back in the olden days, he was the true Boy Scout. Mm -hmm. In the same way that Superman is the Boy Scout of the DC universe, Captain America was for us. You know, the thing that I just love about Chris Evans is he is almost appears to be this way in real life. I mean, did you see where last week... He was organizing basically a game night with his fellow Avengers that was then going to benefit first responders. They were going to be setting up a, a Zoom event. Right. That's cool. Getting back to this earnings call, there were a lot of 
Marvel-related questions, and the concern really was, what happens now? Because face it, movie theaters, just this past weekend, were allowed to open in Texas. But the AMC theater chain, Cinemark, and I want to say the Alamo Drafthouse chain, Texas is, is a state that, that has 500 different, or, or 500 plus movie theaters. And only five theaters decided to reopen. But they had to work at 25% occupancy. They had what they referred to as almost TSA-level security coming in because, you know, there are no new movies being released at this point. They were showing older film titles. In fact, I want to say the, they were saying the busiest theater uh, was the one that was showing Sonic. Most of the theater teens seem to believe at this point that by the end of June, we can start to reopen. and But it's again, it's the same business plan. It's low capacity and you show older movies at discounted prices to ease people back into the movie-going experience and get them comfortable with the, the new procedures. And then the very first big new release is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Oh, I can't wait for that. It has a great trailer. But Chapek actually referred to this Christopher Nolan movie as part of the presentation. He said, look... We'll know if people are coming back because we have a very competitive movie opening before the first Disney film. And, and the first Disney film after that is opening July 24th, and that's the live-action Mulan. The reason that Disney held off re releasing that earlier this year was because all of the theaters in China were closed. And they were really counting on China being the thing that would power this film to Disney's back next billion dollar earner. I don't know how they can like gauge an entire sense of success or fail when the country's gonna be reopening in, in chunks. Mm -hmm. Portions of North Dakota are open because it's not very densely populated mm -hmm. in that area and they don't have a, a massive outbreak where here in Indianapolis, we're still shut down. We've been extended and other places been open. So our theaters will remain closed. Theirs will open up. Disney puts out a movie they make X amount of dollars and it's just like, well, that's only like, you know, a tenth of the theaters in the country. Yeah. You can't release Mulan with only a tenth of the U.S. theaters open and go, yes, we did it. Mission accomplished. <laughs> you know, and in fact, it's so funny you say that because literally during the earnings call, here's Bob Chapek saying, well, fingers crossed. I mean, just, you know, they because that's the other thing that people don't like to talk about right now. Just this morning on Good Morning America, they were talking about the fact that if you take Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York out of the American listing for coronavirus, we're still going up. The number of yeah. cases are going up every day, but because Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York were so aggressive and have appeared to flatten the curve, they're artificially pulling down the numbers in the country. That's the other genuine fear right now. And, you know, if you talk with anybody in the entertainment industry, you know, I can't <laughs> tell you how many people have become experts on the Spanish flu because I've heard this mm -hmm. story over and over again now at this point. Yes, there was the outbreak of the Spanish flu in the fall of 1918, but the one that decimated the country was the second wave, which happened between February and March of 1919. So many people are terrified of, Georgia opening early and Texas opening early because it's just sort of like, guys, we haven't even really contained it yet. It's still slow burning. On the other hand, yeah. I understand that there were so many people out of work 
and so many people who are desperate to find ways to put food on the table or to pay rent or that sort of thing. So they want to get back to work. I I don't want it to happen a second time, and and I do I do want people to have the ability to go back to work. But if it's you know like here in Indianapolis where the numbers are still going up, mm. it's not it's not a good time to reopen. No, because no. then what was the point of being closed the whole time? Well, no, no, that's it exactly. But at the same time, I get that for a lot of folks, it's like I did it. It's like I I, I yes, you did, but we still have to do it. All right. Um, <laughs> to, to, to Wait, are we still on the earnings call? Yeah, believe it or oh, not, geez. but we're going we're, we're to move past it because, again, you cannot live on a steady diet of bad news. Well, OK, let's break it down this way. Is it time for me to buy Disney stock? Is it going to continue to go down for a while or do I jump in today? Where are we at with that? Because we know that I know it's dropped considerably. It was like down to almost 100 bucks yeah. per share when I it used to be closer to 160 or 180. Reading today, there was a story about young investors who believe that this is, in fact, their golden age, that there will never be a time when so yep. many of these stocks are at this price point. But again, you know, the pro yep. problem is that do you buy now and hope? You know, that, that, you know, that, that I don't think that Disney opening Shanghai is going to do a damn thing for them financially when the rest has nothing that they can do right now. So I'm going to hold off. I'm, I'm waiting for Disney to get down to like 50 bucks a share, 25 bucks a share, and then I'm selling everything I own and I'm buying all the Disney stock I can hoard up and I'm going to Scrooge McDuck it for a while. And then I'm going to Donald Duck it. No pants is what that means. I'm going to Donald oh. Duck it with no pants, and I'm going to Scrooge McDuck it in a pile of money. That's how I'm going to do it, Jim. The Dis That's how Aza does the Disney life. <laughs> I, I, I think we may have found our second piece of merch, folks. Uh, okay. Before we entirely put the earnings call in the rearview mirror here, again, they lost a billion dollars in parks. The way Disney is going to mitigate this is... There's some $900 million worth of construction going on in the Disney parks around the world right now. And what JPEG has decided to do is he's going to go through and pick a number of projects to pause, which that probably means the Avengers Campus project. If all had gone according to plan, we'd be just weeks away now from the Avengers Campus opening at Disney's California Adventure. But and remember, Avengers Campus was supposed to be Hong Kong, was supposed to be Walt Disney Park in Paris. I think phase two moves from something we would see in two and three years to maybe something we'll see now in 10 years. That's unfortunate, but these are the times we're in. Let's see. I got to have some good news to share here. Oh, um, Venom. Oh. Wait a minute. You said you had good news to share, <laughs> and then you started talking about Venom. I'm not trusting your angle anymore here, Mr. Hill. Right. Have I used hogwash lately? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, what are we, we doing with Venom? We <laughs> have a name now. We don't just have Venom 2. Oh. Okay. We have a, a subtitle. We have Let There Be Carnage. We also have a release date, oddly enough, which, again, <laughs> I know you're going to take issue with. Originally, this was supposed to come out in October of 2020 the idea was that just like the original venom it was going to be a hard r with horror elements uh so it was going to do really well before halloween we have a new release date now which is june 25th uh 2021 
Which, of course, is a date I associate very strongly with horror, don't you? If you heard the crashing in the background, that was the Venn diagram that just broke. <laughs> Fell right off the damn shelf, landed on the floor. What do you think about that? Was that a coincidence? Uh, oh, my God. I got to go get a broom. Okay. So no no Halloween crossover there. Nope. They think all of a sudden it's an action blockbuster for the middle of summer? I, a hot, sweaty summer and a man covered in black goo. I do not know what to tell you, but... Do you recall off the top of your head, when was uh, Morbius? Oh. Because that was rescheduled and pushed back. Was that to 2022 or something? I think Morbius is sharing a room now with the new mutants. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't heard anything. I, I will tell you what, folks. By the next show, I will do my due diligence and get back to you. I was, however, talking with a friend at, at the, you have to understand, that basically the entire marketing staff at Disney has been furloughed while they wait for the studio to go back into operation. But I was chatting with this friend and they were talking about the fact that they really wish they were back in the office because they were looking at the schedule for 2022 and put together that their Marvel is releasing four movies over a span of 147 days. It was that in counting the, the Sony Marvel or just This MCU? is just the Disney stuff. That, that Oh, uh, uh, wow. Okay. A Thor Love and Thunder comes out in February 11th. Right. 42 days later on March 25th is now is Doctor Strange 2. Then 42 days after that is Black Panther 2. And then just 63 days after that is Captain Marvel 2. And uh, don't get me wrong, those are four films I'm looking forward to seeing, but that's a lot of Marvel. That's going to almost make this podcast seem like work, and I don't know about all that. Well, if, it, it, if, if you're tired from doing the first half of the show, Aaron, go take a quick nap, because when we get back, we're going to search for more good news. Okay, no more earnings call. Uh, just Let's just put that in the review. You were referring earlier to the challenges that, of course, we're all facing during this period. You know, essential services versus non-essential services stores that have closed down. And we've talked previously about, you know, the comic book stores that are genuinely struggling because how do you do this business without people actually being able to get in? And so you had places like Golden Apple doing curbside pickup and that sort of thing. Again, a lot of these places are finally being able to start to reopen. And so mm -hmm. Marvel, which had hit pause on a number of its comic book lines, is bringing them back. Starting on May 27th, we're going to see five titles ship. Uh, new issues of The Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers, Marauders, Star Wars, Dr. Afara, which I've been hearing a lot of good things about. i got to go check that out. And then, uh, oddly enough, Venom. Then the following week, we're going to see eight book collections hit shelves. And then supposedly from there, the pattern then becomes, you know, you get a week where you just get single issues followed by a week with uh, collected editions and slowly Marvel will rebuild its offerings. But between what is it? The diamond delivery, uh, you know, the folks that handled the shipping of a lot of comic books that mm -hmm. there was no product to ship. So how can you ship product? But then just getting uh, the employees back in, kind of a walk before you can run situation. 
And we were talking earlier about the Russo brothers last week narrating a presentation of Endgame Online and a viewing party. And there were a couple of great little tidbits that came out. Brie Larson's very first day playing Captain Marvel wasn't shooting her origin film. It was actually on Endgame. Right. Her very first day is, it's not the Milano, what is the name of the new guardianship? Benatar. Benatar. Okay. But it's the scene where, you know, they're all suiting up to go off to battle Thanos. They've located him, you know, off in the universe and they're going to go take him out. But it's, you know, she's the one who, you know, pilots the ship. They're going to take them there. And it's just sort of like, honestly, you watch that movie and just this very confident centered performance. Speaking of, of centered performances, evidently the Russo brothers every Sunday as they were working on the film would go over to Robert Downey Jr.'s house and they'd go over the script and it turns out that the I Love You 3000, that's actually what Robert Downey Jr. says to his own daughter at night and the Russo brothers heard about it and it's like, oh, that's good. We're putting it in the movie. So where did he get 3000 from? Why that number specifically? I, why not? I, you know, why not a million? I, why not pi? I love you, pi. I love you, pi. Three point one six, because it goes on forever. There you go. Right. That's that. Okay. How much is pi, Daddy? You got forever, because that's how much it is, kid. I love you forever. I think I love you, pi, is better than I love you three thousand. That's my new hashtag. Okay. Uh, all right. Sorry, Marvel. Sorry, Robert. But I outmathed you on the love. Okay. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm being I, I'm, silly. I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, merchandise item number three there, folks. Okay. <laughs> I know we're ranging them up. We're ranging them up. Okay. And speaking of merch, since we last recorded, Aaron has increased in age. Is 46? Is that correct? Or? Yeah, yeah. I hit my uh, 46th trip around the sun. Mm-hmm. Started on uh, May the 4th. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a Star Wars baby. May the fourth be with you. Ah, let's all let Dan Z know that. And, and of course, your lovely bride commemorated this occasion by getting you something genuinely cool. Care to share this? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've got it on my... Whoop. Yeah, that's some, some Iron Man sound effects of the faceplate coming on and off. Uh, it's, it's so cool. It's the... Um, Let's see. Hasbro, I believe, is the maker of it, but it's a Iron Man helmet replica, mm-hmm. and uh, the paint job is good enough to almost convince you the darn thing is made of metal. It's it's pretty sharp looking. Obviously, it makes some sound effects, but it's also the eyes light up. They turn white, mm-hmm. and the darndest thing, Jim, you can put on the helmet mm-hmm. and turn on the lights and still see through, uh, which is pretty crazy. Oh. Uh, and... Uh, the face mask when you you take it off mm-hmm. so you can actually you know look like robert when he's eating his donut mm-hmm. and uh it connects with magnets so you can put it in a upright position with the face mask up on top of the head and then you can then take it off and put it in place to cover your face and uh yeah it is just slick as all get out mm. and goes great with our uh, our metal captain america shield <laughs> so i think we got to get thor's hammer still uh but yeah we're, we're looking to get all of the avengers uh mounted on the wall somehow i hate it when i hear about something i did not know i wanted and now i want it that sounds amazing that's very sweet of sabrina to get that for you 
But, yes. but interesting that, that that you bring that up because one of the other things the Russos talked about was when they structured Endgame. You know, the movie basically opens with the Benatar is dead in space. They're almost out of food, mm-hmm. water. And Tony records that message to uh, Pepper on his helmet. Mm-hmm. What the Russos realized fairly early on is they also had this speech that Tony recorded on his helmet before they did the time traveling to, uh, you know, to acquire the Affinity Stones. And it's a, basically a message to his daughter that he recorded on his helmet. Just before the memorial service at the cabin, you get to see that being played for uh, Stark's daughter and for Pepper and, you know, and the crew. And they realized it's, we're bookending it. We have this wonderful bookend. As, as a fan of story structure, I just, I just love that they found that and made that part of their movie. But Deadline.com, over the past two weeks, did a breakdown of the most profitable films for 2019. And they figured out when you pulled out the $350 million it supposedly cost Disney and Marvel to make the movie, what it cost to promote it, the split with financial partners... The sheer profit that Disney made off of Endgame was $900 million, which I wish they still had so they didn't have to cancel all of those projects for the parks. But when you compare it to how X-Men Dark Phoenix did, it was the biggest financial bomb of 2019 because when you factored in what it costs to promote it, what it costs to make it, Disney and Fox, or excuse me, Disney and 20th Century wound up taking a $133 million loss on the project. And there's a number of people who talk about, you know, what might have been, you know, the whole notion of it was designed initially to be a two-part movie, that if they had not crammed all of the story together and they told it the way that Simon Kimberg wanted to actually do it, would it have played differently? And it's hard to say, but I'm sorry. I know we said we wouldn't talk about the earnings call again, but in addition to all of the, you know, we, we we're just talking about release dates, it dates out through 2022, but you know, a lot of these films haven't gone before the camera yet. And so they asked Bob, you know, as part of this earnings call, you know, defective, how do you make giant movies like these? When you spend $350 million on, you know, making something like Endgame, there's a lot of people on set, whether they're, the guys who were handling the practical effects, the explosions of the battlefield. They're going to take the Saturday Night Live at home route, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Scarlett Johansson in a really, really bad way. It's like a mop taken off of the handle, placed, you know, dyed red, placed on her head. And the whole movie takes place with all the heroes on their laptops, and they have to beat a virus or some sort of thing across the internet, which explains why they don't have to go outside for this particular mission. But yeah, it'll, it'll be, you know, uh, Black Panther will will show up and log into Skype and he'll be like, what's going on, Black Widow? And she'll say, I'm hunting a virus. We need to get Thor with his lightning. And then all of a sudden Thor is going to show up on his little handheld Nokia phone. Oh, what's going on, Scarlet? Can you get us some lightning right on, babe? Yeah, and and no one they're going to do everything from home with their they're they're going to build their own. It's going to be like a little grade school play with all their homemade props. Like oh. Thor's hammer will literally be from Ace Hardware, the 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 kind you buy for like six bucks. <laughs> oh. It's all I had. I didn't have the actual prop with me. You know the the genuinely <laughs> terrible thing is I know that somewhere 
here is a development executive <laughs> at, at Marvel Studios that's actually backing up the podcast. Wait, wait, what did you say about Thor's hammer? I just have this uneasy feeling that I'm going to be paying to see what you just described in a theater in a year or two. Though I want to end on, on a positive note, and this is more of an audience participation note, because we did have a listener reach out because we had talked on, on a previous show about the situation with the Hulk that I think we were talking about the interview that Mark Ruffalo did and how he really does want to do a standalone Hulk movie. But he himself was talking about the fact, well, that's difficult because Universal has the rights to the character. And it turns out that maybe they don't or maybe the situation is a little more complicated than we know. BRG stands for Boy, the Boy Genius Report. It's a technological influence website, uh, covers topics, consumer gadgets, entertainment, gaming, science. They ran a story back in January of this past year where they talked about how word had gotten out that Marvel had finally not only acquired the rights to the Hulk, but also had gotten the rights to Namor, which for the original, not the Edward, uh, Ed Norton Hulk, but the mm. uh, Ang Lee Hulk movie, uh, from yep. that supposedly they got the rights to Hulk and Namor, and that's how we, we got that original film. But they came across a reference from February 2006, and a, a Morton Handel, who was then the, the then chairman of Marvel Entertainment, Said as part of an earnings report, we had several watershed events happen in 2005 to set the stage for the next phase of Marvel growth. We are actively working on scripts for Captain America, Ant-Man, and Nick Fury. In addition, the rights to Hulk and Iron Man reverted back to Marvel. 2005. The Iron Man movie and the Hulk movie come out in 2008. And this was definitely after the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie, so it's not that that they're talking no, about. No, not at all. Not at all. What's been suggested here is it's not so much that Universal has the rights to make a Hulk standalone movie, but somehow they've retained the distribution rights and the notion that somehow quietly earlier this year that they got the Hulk rights back, you would think they would have looped Ruffalo in at some point. It's like, hey, we got the rights. Well, yeah, but then you've got, because look, you've already got a choked pipeline. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to put Hulk? You can't, there's so many things you just don't have a place for right now. This is Last thing you want to do is throw another log on this raging fire of backed up, yeah. go nowhere dilemma. That That is true, but... I wanted to put that out there and thanks to the listener who made us aware of the BGR report and I'm, I'm now. So if Mark Ruffalo's now listening, I'm sorry, if, if Mark Ruffalo's listening to this, does this mean that he's suddenly getting excited about a new job? He didn't know that he was going to get yet. I do not know that. Did we just leak to Mark Ruffalo? Oh, wow. We're making friends left and right here, Aaron. Okay, tell you what, I'm going to work on trying to get a hold of these earnings reports from Marvel to see whether or not we can get this confirmed. I, I don't know if you saw the the article that my buddy Drew Taylor uh, wrote for, I want to say, sci-fi, where he listed the 45 best superhero movies. I mean, I, again, I know what the I top noticed of the show that we, there was. Yeah, I noticed that there was a movie or two absent from the, the superhero list, and I was like, well, good for dropping those off. <laughs> But yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I just said to sort of, you know, face it, 
We started today's show off by by you suggesting how to you know to watch the Marvel universe right up until Marvel's Avengers, right? The you, yep, you, yep, phase you got one that far. So, and I think that we figured that was like between the Agent Carters. That was probably fifty hours of viewing, right? So, and oh yeah, you've you've got. I mean, it's going to take you a lot of hogging dust to get through that, baby. But when you finish watching <laughs> you know, that thousand hours of film. We have some podcasts here you could maybe listen to. We have uh, Disney Dish with Len Testa. We have Fine Tuning, which covers animation. We have Looking at Lucasfilm, which I do with Dan Z. And I Want That with uh, Michelle Valladolid. And we even have a new episode of Universal Joint in the hopper. And that's the one I do with Dustin Fuse. And those are making their way through the editing process, folks. If you get head over to iTunes and rate and recommend the show and... If you get out of the band camps and subscribe. Thanks for listening, folks. And we'll be back with new stories and new toys on the next show.